So welcome, welcome, welcome to Life on Purpose podcast with Cam. I am your host. I'm so excited today. I have someone super that I'm super excited to just catch back up with in life and kind of journey through his life and how it relates to purpose and what he's been up to. And we'll just jump right into that. I have Pastor Wilkerson on the phone. Um, I do want to kind of do away with the titles and then we can kind of go into that. Is that all right? That's fine. Okay. If you could just introduce yourself to the world and all of my listeners and viewers. Okay. I'm uh, Pastor Eric Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of uh, Up From The World Ministries here in Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. That's right. I heard him say it. That's where I'm from. Right. So <laughs> um, what I will say is that I just want, again, just want to publicly thank you for agreeing to take some time and help me launch this because it's super important, um, not just to me, but to everyone that may click on this link and just kind of hear what purpose is and kind of, you know, just the story on how it may not be mapped out the way you think it's going to be. I know personally, I have my stories and you have them too, so we're going to get into it, but if we could do away with the title of pastor and just kind of go back to the 10 year old Eric and just, what would you tell him if you could talk to, if you could sit him down on a couch and you would talk to the 10 to 12 year old Eric, what's one thing that you would tell him? Well, just hang in there. Uh, uh, your life is already mapped out for you. And if you just walk it out, it'll reveal itself uh, from, from day to day. Just hang in there, stay focused. Hmm, stay focused. Okay. That's good. So what I want to, you know, dive right into is, you know, I know what purpose means for me. Um, doing that thing, you know, which you're designed for is kind of what I, I hold on to, you know, outside of what anyone says and just being purpose as a chair, as I said in my first episode, just functioning in that. But what does purpose mean to you? Well, Purpose, it's, I mean, you and I share the same definition, I believe. Uh, it's doing what it is that God has purposed uh, for you to do. And uh, God certainly calls you out of whatever it is that you're in to fulfill your purpose. And what I discovered is that uh, there is passion okay. attached to your purpose. So when people ask me, you know, I don't know what my purpose is, well, the next question for me, it's going to be, what is it that you're passionate about? That okay. there's, a, there's an energy that's attached to whatever God has purpose that you do. It's the thing you desire to do the most. Wow. Now, that's interesting that you said that. Would you say that a lot of times that passion, your passion is going to always pay you? Uh, at some point it will. Okay. At some point it will. But your passion is what you'll do without pay. Wow because you're just passionate about it but because you're so passionate about it somehow it's going to work together where you will be compensated for it because uh, uh your purpose has uh prosperity attached to it as well wow wow that's heavy so when when did you set when would you say that you discover your purpose like the beginning of your purpose when did that happen for you well it happened for me when uh when i got saved i believe that when when god uh, causes you to come into this world, your purpose is attached to you, but we discover it at different times in our lives. Some people is 
in their youth. Some it's when they are young adults or middle age. And some people even discover their purpose when they're older. But when God saved me, he was at that point calling me into what he had purpose for me to do. And the mess that I was in, he kept me mm-hmm. while I was in that until it was time for him to call me. Okay. Now, would you say, now you said like we're born with purpose and we have it, but do you think a lot of times our parents um, and our upbringing and people that we're around will try to fit us into their story and their purpose and their, their line of things before, or like before our purpose gets tainted? Of course, because they, especially when the people who have given the charge to uh, be over your upbringing, when they don't know what your purpose is, then they'll get you involved in other things. But at the end of the day, you, you mm-hmm. really don't have to worry about all that because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're going to fulfill the purpose for which God caused you to come on this planet. And the other thing I, I want to add is that when you're talking about purpose, it existed before you did. Hmm. The purpose was here before you got here. And when God called you, he called you to fulfill the purpose that was already here. Uh, oftentimes I'll share that uh, whoever created the umbrella, the okay. purpose the purpose for the umbrella existed before the umbrella did. People got tired of getting wet when it was raining. Okay. So somebody created something to fulfill a purpose that already existed. So when, when, when God calls you uh, out of whatever you're in and into your purpose, your purpose is there waiting on you. What you're supposed to fulfill, your assignment is there, and he calls you into it. Wow. Do you think a lot of times people have like blockers on or where they, they can't get or fine tune into that purpose? Yes. Yes. And that's, 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 that's when we go uh, to scripture about God calling you out of darkness. The okay. blocking, a lot, the blockers sometimes just your ignorance mm. of, of, of why you were, uh, uh, came, why God brought you into the world. So he calls us out of darkness and into the marvelous light. And when that light comes on, you'll see your purpose. You you not only see your purpose, but you see all the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have that are consistent with what it is you were purposed to do. You start to discover those things. Okay. So you think essentially like blockers can be people, blockers can be places. And, and people, places, things, mentality. Okay. Upbringing, environments, all of that. But he's gonna, God's going to bring you through all of that. Wow. He's going to get you through all that to what it is that he's ultimately uh, designed for you to do. His will can't, we, of course we know this, but mm-hmm. we're just having a, a conversation, mm-hmm. but uh, God's will can't be stopped. <laughs> wow. It can't be, no matter how hard people try, no matter how hard systems try, no matter mm-hmm. how hard society tries, at the end of the day, the purpose of the Lord is going to prevail. Wow. So for those listeners that are maybe listening and they don't have a relationship um, with this God that you're talking about, um, you know, Christ and, and all of that, how how would they be able to identify or even know without having that relationship? Uh, if, if God has purpose attached to you, it's going to require some kind of relationship with God on some level in order for you to fulfill that. But And, and, and then if you really want to go, go deeper, if you look at uh, the character given us in Scripture, uh, Pharaoh, he okay. really didn't have—he didn't, really didn't have a relationship with God, hmm. but but God, God created him for a purpose. 
Yes. There was purpose attached to Pharaoh. And ultimately, he's going to fulfill that purpose because at the end of the day, God is orchestrating this whole thing. Wow. That's interesting. So it won't, it's not like he's ordained it and you won't fulfill it. He's ordained it before the foundation of the world. And then you were put into place to fulfill that. Wow. Listen, y'all, I, I, I'm telling you, like, the, I can remember times having conversations with you in the past and, and we would go just as deep. So I can already tell that hopefully we'll be able to have another segment uh, where we can, you know, go deeper into this because I can already tell that it's good. But I want to ask you this, too. Where, like, where would you be without operating in your purpose or finding or answering your purpose? Where would you be? Um, where I was before he called me into it in a mess or, or incarcerated or, or uh, I hate to even think of it or probably dead, probably dead. Cause you know, I, I had my uh, dealings in the street prior to getting saved okay. and was, and was a drug dealer. So uh, had God not called me out of that without question, I would have done time because wow. all, all of my friends did, or I would be dead cause some of them, I did, but uh, because God's hand was upon me and my mother prayed for me, then he called me uh, into what it is that I'm doing now. Wow. I follow you on social media and you posted something that said the journey of a hundred, a thousand miles is made one day at a time. Can you talk about that? Uh, when, when you begin to come into the knowledge of where it is that God is taking you, you have to be willing to be patient and allow that to unfold one day at a time. When we, when we get in, her, in a hurry and start experiencing impatience and, and anxiety, we're about to start exercising bad judgment. Wow. And any decision that we make or any idea that we come up with Okay. Because we're getting impatient, it's going to always be a crazy idea. And it's going to always be a bad decision. So you have to take this thing one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And at the end of all of those days, when you put them all together, you'll end up where it is that God has ordained uh, that you be. On that post you're talking about, I posted a picture of when I was in the street selling drugs. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, just a couple of the things that I had. And then I posted a picture of what it is that I'm doing now. and And in doing so, I was trying to show that it was a journey right, to get to where I am. It wasn't an overnight thing. One day at a time, patient. Right. You know, some people, you know, they say, I've been waiting for so long. And, you know, how long is too long to wait? And you also posted something, too, that said, trust, trust in the process. And you related it to talking about having a spouse or saying the patience that you need to get a spouse is the same patience that you'll need to keep one. Exactly. You said patience isn't just waiting. It's about the attitude that you have while you're raised. So, you know, not complaining or saying, I've been waiting for this so long, whether it's a spouse, a job or whatever it is, the attitude that you have while you wait is just as important. What you say? Yeah, it's, it's important. And here's why it's important because are you really patient if you're murmuring and complaining? Wow. Murmuring and complaining sometimes is an indication that you're not patient. Patient is really just resting assured <laughs> that what God uh, has for you, you're going to get. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to make it happen. All you have to do is be patient and know 
that what he has for you, you're going to get it. And you're going to get it because he has it for you. Now, you mentioned uh, uh, a spouse. The I believe that the second most important decision that you'll make after you've secured for yourself a place in eternity, and what I mean by that is, is that you're saved and okay. uh, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay. The second most important decision you'll make is who you're going to spend the rest of time with. Okay. Eternity is already secured. You're going to spend that with God. But who you're going to spend the rest of time with is the you know that's that's who you you marry so that's a very very important decision and you want to get that decision right you want to get as much wisdom knowledge and understanding of first of all yourself as you can and then okay. you'll be able to see how people fit into your life real clearly so okay. you want you want to be really patient in in making that decision okay do you so as it relates to purpose and you know going over into a spouse do you think that a lot of times your your purpose has to be in line with the the person that you choose to do your time with as far yeah. as spouse is concerned absolutely because when god joined people together he joined them together for purpose wow god's not just marrying you, you're not going to just get married because you're lonely or because you, you your desire is to spend the rest of your life with someone certainly those things will be fulfilled and happen uh, for you when you get married. But the real reason God joins people together is because he's got something for those two people being okay. joined together to do. There's purpose. Okay. Everything he does, it's 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 really the name of your podcast, Life on Purpose. Everything God does, he's not just doing it because he doesn't have anything else to do. He's doing it because it has purpose attached to it. And when you see yourself clearly, you see clearly other people as it relates to how they fit into what God already has you doing. You'll already be fulfilling your purpose. Wow. Wow. That's so good. That's so, so good. So just backing up just a little bit. So, you know, to the picture or the post that I saw with you standing next to a car in Memphis. So you're originally from Memphis. That's where you grew up and where you were, like you said, in your mess, doing what you wanted to do outside of the will and outside of purpose. What were some of the, your, your thoughts that you had? Um, as I look at that picture, you know, I see a, a black man. Um, it's an older picture. What were some of your thoughts? What, what was going on there? Back in that day? Yes. Well, to be very honest with you, it was just about, my desire has always been to succeed. Uh, but because I had no direction, I uh, grew up without my father, and I grew up in a community where uh, people who were defined as successful were people who were involved in uh, uh, things that are inconsistent with the will of God to keep it short. You know, drug dealing and, and pimps and, and uh, uh, women, you know, getting money the way women were getting it because I was around that all the time. Okay. Uh, those images became my images of success. Okay. And so uh, as I got older, I gravitated back towards what I had beheld as a child and got myself involved in that. But my desire to succeed was given to me by God. But the means and the method mm -hmm. by which I would use was given to me by the enemy. See, the, the devil always based temptation on a desire that's already present. Okay. So my desire was to succeed, but my my pattern, my mode of operation for success was wrong. And so, you know, mm, needless to say, it. yeah, being ignorant and young and and being uh, uh, around people that 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 were influential, mm -hmm. I got involved in uh, in the streets. And so, you know, it was what it was. Wow.
Wow. And then he redeemed the time and then brought you on to Michigan. So what, I guess, what age or what era when you moved to Detroit, Michigan, how old were you and, and what was the city like? And we'll kind of go into what you're doing right now with, you know, changing the, the city with the houses. But what, were, what did you see once you got to Detroit? Well, you know, I came to Detroit twice. I came once when I was about 13 or 14. Okay. Uh, my mother moved here and I went to high school here. Okay. And uh, I played basketball at Denby. And then I got an offer to play basketball in California. And I went out there and played for okay. a couple of years. But when I stopped playing basketball in California, I moved back to Memphis. Okay. Uh, I was probably about 20, 21 at that time. And I stayed there for a decade. And that's when I got involved in the street thing. And then uh, God saved me. Uh, he redeemed me. And then he brought me back to Detroit. And I came here and uh, went to school and got a diploma in paralegal studies and started working at a law firm. Okay. And then uh, he called me in, into ministry shortly thereafter. Well, was the call easy to answer? It was it was easy to answer. I, I kind of understood it, Cam, because I had a passion for the Word of God. Okay. And I had a passion for church. You know, church was never something uh, as a, as a, uh, uh, an adult that I was made to do. I wanted to do it. Okay. Reading the word wasn't something I was made to do. I wanted to do it. So I knew that the passion I had and the understanding that I had of the word of God, when I picked the Bible up, I, I got it. I understood it. Okay. And so I, I, I just, it just, I just naturally flowed into it. Okay. And so did you serve as like a minister, like an assistant? How did that, how did you get um, dive into ministry? What was your, what was your role? Well, initially I was just a member of the church. Okay. And you know, when you have, when you're gifted and uh, the anointing of God is on your life, I mean, you, it, people recognize that. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you find your place in church. Like if, if I can sing, I, I know my place. Okay. If I can administrate, I know my place. And if you're articulate and, and understand the word of God, you know your place. So I served as a minister for uh, a number of years. Okay. What was the what was the hardest part, I guess, about being so young and being a minister? Uh what's one thing I guess would you say that, you know, seminary like it, it can't prepare you for? What was one of the things that that I struggled in that I struggled yes. in early years in ministry. You know, mm-hmm. with, with just some of the things that are taught in church and and some of the things uh, uh, that are done to allow okay. people to settle for less than God's best. Okay. I think that was the most frustrating part. I, I think people in the world uh, that I that I spent my time around wanted more than some of the people I encountered uh, in church. So I had to uh, just adjust to that and realize that everybody don't want the same thing. Mm. And that was an interesting concept for me because I had never experienced that before. Because when I played basketball, everybody in high school wanted Division One scholarship. Okay. Right? <laughs> and and everybody in the street wanted money. So I, if I was used to being in environments where all the people that I hung around wanted the same thing. But when you get in church, it, it's a little different. Everybody don't want the same thing. Wow. So, and, and so at that time, being in ministry, being young, um, around that time, were you married? Did you have kids? What was, what did that look like? As a matter of fact, uh, you know, that story, I met your aunt and, uh, we were married 
and uh, we had three children. So I, I was okay. I was I was single at that time when I when I initially came into church. I was single. Okay, and then going into it and being in ministry, having kids, um, pretty much um, pastor kids, PK right. kids. Going into that, how has that um, shaped them? Well, it's been it's been wonderful for them because my children don't know life without church. They were actually born and raised in church. And uh, because I was a minister and a pastor, one of the things I didn't do was put the pressure mm-hmm. of being a minister and a pastor on my children. I didn't do that. I okay. allowed them to just grow up as children and do some of the silly stuff that young that young folks yeah. color their hair and and all yeah. this kind of stuff. I didn't put uh, the burden of what I was called to do on them. I allowed them to enjoy uh, their life. And I didn't I didn't force them into ministry. I didn't make them do anything that they didn't want to do as it relates to ministry. Okay. Now, when it, as it relates to school, you know, I was on them about, you, you're going to be a good student and do what you're supposed right. to do in school. But, but yeah, Education. all of that. But what mm-hmm. ministry is concerned, that's God's business. So I'm going to let him call you into it like he called me into it. But certainly there's a a certain code of conduct that I'm going to require of you just being your parent. But I didn't make them, you know, you can't do this and do that because of what people are going to think. I wasn't that guy. I let them walk their own walk. I think a lot of um, pastors can kind of mess that up by forcing it down their throat. Um, And then it causes them to go through so much. Um, as young people and then as they go into their adulthood because they didn't get a chance to really be who they were purposed to be as well yeah and so you so you go on to how did you get into pastoring up from the world ministries like how did that happen I I went through this little phase where I kind of had enough of church and I decided um, uh, that I'm going to take a break and I remember sitting. Okay. Yeah. Sabbatical. Yeah, that's that's what they call it. But you know, we, we have to say some real <laughs> spiritual word for it. But I had had a, I had enough. Uh huh. But yeah, you took I a had break. Enough of it. I'm like I'm I'm done with church, man. I ain't, I ain't really feeling it. I'm not done with I'm not done okay. with God, but I'm done with church and not realizing, not realizing yeah. that when you get done with God, I mean done with church, it's gonna not won't be too long before you stray away from God. So what okay. what happened was wow. I was sitting in my dining room. And uh, the name Up From The World Ministries came to me and God gave me to go and start it. And what I realized was, is that what I was actually looking for in a church was actually in me. The Bible says that he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. So what I was hungering and thirsting after, God filled me with it. And once I discovered that that's what he had done, then I went and Mm -hmm. gave birth to what he had filled me with. And we started the church in uh, in a community room in an apartment complex that we lived in. And then we wow. stayed there a year, and then we moved it to a hotel suite and stayed there a year. And after those two years, we purchased the building that we currently have. What a story. I don't think I ever knew yeah, that part of how it was um, actually birthed out. That's how I kind of feel about life right. on purpose um with it being a podcast it's, it's interesting just to even have this conversation with you is it's mind-blowing it really so, really see, is. what really happens is is you become the you become the answer to the questions uh-huh. you have 
So you're looking wow. for this and looking for that. And God helped me to understand that what you're looking for, because you were looking for it, I filled you with it. So you're the solution to what you're, def- what you're okay. defining as the problem. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's, it, it's, it's just so much in one. It's, I mean, you can just go on and on. Um, but, you know, so within the congregation, within the ministry, so you started out with how many people? You said uh, in, the in the community room, we started out with uh, about eight people. Eight yeah, We started people. out with about eight people in the community room. And then that grew and uh, uh, we moved it to a hotel suite. And then okay. uh, that grew, and then not only did it grow, but it was necessary that if we were going to be serious about ministry, that we secure a facility to meet in, so that you would have a quote unquote church home. You need you need a place that that okay. people uh, can come to, and that hotel situation is kind of unstable because you got other ministries in there and noise and and all that, that kind. Of, you got a whole lot of stuff going on. So what we actually did in the hotel was on the one side, they had a lot of suites and we had one of those initially. And then we moved to the other side where there were no suites, but it was a club. So what we would have to do is, is that they were mm-hmm. using it as a club on Saturday nights. So we would have to, we would have to get okay. there early Sunday morning, clean up, get all that stuff out of the way, mm-hmm. set it up for our service. And we started having a uh, uh, hotel in it. I mean, we started having church in the club that was in the hotel. Wow. And right next to that club what? was a swimming pool in the hotel, indoor swimming pool. So we would preach and people would get saved and we would actually baptize them in the hotel swimming pool. What? Yep. Took it over, <laughs> shut it down on Sundays. And I wow. baptized, man, God only knows how many people in the hotel swimming pool. In, in the swimming, swimming pool. pool. So did you guys have a hard time, let's say, resetting the atmosphere? You said Saturday night it was a club. You know, they were in there doing their thing. And then Sunday morning, did you have a hard time resetting No, we atmosphere? really didn't because you bring your atmosphere with you. You bring mm. it with you. We had, we had to clean it up and let folks know we want to be on this side because it's actually quieter okay. over here. And then we stayed. Okay. That was probably about six months in the process. So we had about six months to stay in there. And then I knew. Uh, the very next thing we're going to have to do is, is find us some place to worship. And so after those, that 24 month journey, uh, we got a building, which turned out to be a very, very nice building. Wow. So within those that you said 24 months, within those two years, that two year period, did you ever find yourself saying, I'm not doing this. I, I can't do this. Or was there just always a drive within those? That always a drive, always passion. I always knew mm-hmm. that it was going to work because I always knew I had the ability to teach, but I just needed an environment where I could teach what I believed that God was giving me. I, I didn't want to be restricted like you are when you are a minister. When you're a minister, you, you have to respect the authority that's over you. So certain things okay. uh, you can't say uh, when you're submitted to someone else's authority, certain things you can't do. When you submit it to someone else's authority, okay. it's like living at home with your parents. You you can't do whatever you want mm-hmm. and say whatever you want when you're living in that environment with your parents. You want to do your own thing. You got to get your own house. This is true. <laughs> and so yeah, that's, that's what you did. Exactly what I did. <laughs> oh, wow. So I saw, I recently saw um, rolling out. I saw an article. You sat down with them. You had a conversation and you said for about a period of three to four years, you were living, um, on a parsonage that's attached to 
right. the church um, that you're at now. Can you kind of tell us what led you there? How did that happen? Well, what happened was I went through uh, a dissolving of the marriage I was in. And okay. uh, uh, I, I realized that the best place for me at the time was in the parsonage at the church. And so okay. I moved into the parsonage, and uh, uh, which was really nice, I, I might add. You know, people thought when I was living <laughs> that, that I was struggling because they, they really didn't see how, how nice it was. But what it did okay. was it eliminated a lot of things for me financially and, and afforded me the okay. opportunity to get through what it is that I was dealing with. And that's when uh, in living there in close proximity to the church, was I was riding through the neighborhood around the church. And that's when okay. I, I started seeing all these houses that were abandoned. And I purchased okay. one of them. And while I was working on that one, uh, uh, it came to me that I should buy them all. I should buy up all the houses and buy up all the lots that are on these two blocks that flank my church. And uh, that's what we did. We bought those houses up. Wow. So it was living in the church that, that caused me to be in the community on a regular basis. And as a result of being in the community, I realized, okay, here's another situation that, that here's a problem and I'm the solution to it. Uh -huh. Wow. Actually living, you know, inside of it and driving exactly. through the neighborhoods. Wow. So with some of the um, congregation that you have now, what was, you know, what was their response to it? Did, were they, supportive of it i know or some of them did they not live in the neighborhoods and were they actually driving I, to the church How actually did they... not i'm sorry for cutting you off but uh none of them lived over here to, uh, initially okay and what happened was i went to the church and i shared with them that we can either complain about the condition of this neighborhood or we can do something okay. about the condition of this neighborhood and so we decided that we would get together and uh, purchased these homes. And I discovered then that I had guys in the church that did carpentry, plumbing, uh, electrical. Mm -hmm. They were all right there in the church. So we got together and bought one house. And then we bought the rest of them. We ended up buying about 25 houses. And uh, once wow. we renovated those houses, I went back to the congregation and said, you know, we were doing them one at a time. And I said, I need for you guys to move over here so we can control the climate of the neighborhood. And uh, they just okay. believe what I share with them. I told them, we, we're going to give you a nice, affordable housing. These houses are very nice. They've been renovated from top to bottom, inside and okay. out. I'm not slumlording. Uh, people are really uh, having mm -hmm. very nice places to stay. And they moved in. And uh, now you know the person in front of you, behind you, on the right of you, and on the left of you. Because we were fortunate enough to get all the houses on the same block. Wow, so you essentially rebuilt that's a community the, right that's in exactly Detroit. exactly what happened. Right here uh, on the west side of Detroit, we, we, our slogan is uh, bringing the neighbor back to the hood. And it, oh, wow. And in doing it. so, you create the neighborhood. I definitely have to come visit. Definitely have to come visit next time I'm in Detroit. Wow. So did you receive any type of like funding from the city or any type of programs to do this? Or how did you how did you get we, support with this? We received we received not one dime from the from the wow. from the local, city, state, or federal government. We took the money that we raised in church and instead of taking it to the wow. bank 
on Monday morning, we brought it to the block on Monday morning. And all we really did was we changed the building that we put our money in. Instead of putting it in the bank building, we put it in these houses. Wow, buying back the block. That, that's what that's Rick Ross said. The epitome. <laughs> right, buying back the block. Like, that's, I don't know. I think that this story, um, I mean, I think that a lot of other pastors and a lot of other people in communities and in major cities can really benefit from like hearing this because you have so many people that are, like you said, driving into neighborhoods or churches that they don't live in, but they have issues in it and they're not doing anything. They're not coming up with a solution um, to the problems. We we think, Kamala, that the only solution is to evangelize the neighborhood and get the folks saved and get them to come to church. That's that's a part of it. That's a part of it. But you need to buy these properties that are so readily available in Detroit. The Bible helps us to understand that God promised us houses and lands. So we bought up all the houses and all the vacant lots. We probably got about 15 or 20 vacant lots. And what we did with those, we fenced everything in and made the backyards bigger. So some houses have maybe three lots attached to them and we fenced all that in and that becomes uh, your backyard. And then what I did was so that people would have an incentive to move over here because nobody was dying to move in this community because we weren't finished with yet. So as an incentive, I made the rent $500. So you have some people that move back and you're you're familiar with the surrounding areas from Southfield and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, East Point and Roseville. They moved back and in doing so, their rent was cut in half. One lady was paying $1,100. So so now her and Uh her daughter, they're paying $500 and that's $600 you keep in your uh in your household wow. so that 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 goes to that goes to uh, uh helping you with your finances so you save wow. 600 dollars a month 12 months out of the year that's a substantial savings for you and your family so that's just yeah, that's absolutely. the church's way of giving back to its community so the, we started the rent at 500 that was 10 years ago and it's still 500 so it's not a thing we're doing for profit we're doing it to rebuild okay. the community and to provide affordable housing for our membership and to put the ta- houses back on the tax roll and keeping some of these houses from being demoed. Wow. So is there like, I'm, I would imagine that there are, so you do leases. I would imagine that they're like waiting lists, like out of this world for people that are not maybe like almost done with their lease. Are you doing like 12 month well, lease? I'm going to tell you leases? what has happened. We're, we're working on uh, the next to the last house now. Since people have moved in, okay. no one has moved out. We've only wow. had turnover in one property for the whole time that we're doing. And part of that, it has to do with, it's not because they can't afford to live someplace else is because they're just so excited to be a part of something that's doing something the yeah community. and they want to be a part wow. of that what now have you moved out have of the I? community yeah uh-huh yeah but i okay. still main i still maintain uh the parsonage. i'm actually uh there more than i am any other place yeah Okay, I just spent a lot of time there. Now, I recently saw another video um, and looks like it was renovation going on in yeah, is it Memphis. Memphis. We just purchased uh, a 22,000 square foot building in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. So we, we're, we're actually, we're not abandoning Detroit. We're just expanding. I want to do in my hometown okay. the same thing that we did here. So I'll be, we're going to fix it up and then I'll be commuting back and forth 
but from Detroit, yeah, from Detroit to, Memphis. to Memphis. So that's a little closer to me. So I think I can right. make that trip up to Memphis. <laughs> when are you guys, um, I guess, doing like the grand opening for that or it hasn't the, been set yet? The grand opening date is going to be April 4th, 2021. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So next year. Okay. I have, to, I have time right. to plan and get myself together and get on right. up to Memphis. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I guess we talked about some of the hardest um, parts about pastoring you know, things that you could not have prepared yourself for. Um, for any listeners that's out there, whether it's a female or male, um, that's struggling with answering the call to ministry, what would you encourage them? Uh, what would you say to encourage well, you, them? You never want to wrestle with what God has for you because what he has for you is better than what you're probably trying to hold on to. God never <laughs> takes something from you and give you something worse he always called us from bad to good from good to better and from better to best so when you discover that it's God leading you in a direction you want to let go of whatever it is that's keeping you from going in that direction and go by faith wow go by faith it's going life with God is better than life without God I can testify to that life with God yeah it's wow. better than life without God so you just let go and let God do what it is that he has purpose for your life. He knows he's got plans for your life. And you just got to walk with him and allow those plans to unfold themselves. But you got to do it by faith, though. You got to you got to believe okay. that if I go with God, things are going to be better. Wow. So how can people follow you? How can people, I mean, hear your your teaching and I mean, how can people connect with you? Can you share that? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I just recently started doing social media and the truth of the matter is I was just too busy uh, uh, okay. to do it. And uh, uh, so I just started uh, with, we on Facebook, uh, Eric Wilkerson, you can find me on Facebook, but my name is spelled A R R I C. And my last name is W I L K E R S O N. You can find us on Facebook. We post some things there. And in the next month or so, we'll be streaming live. Absolutely. I, I was definitely getting ready to say that um, the words of wisdom, just you just talking about your personal journey with purpose um, has led you to open up and kind of teach. I mean, teach me as well. So I definitely want you guys to plug into his Facebook um, stay tuned with what he's doing as well as phase two for any of my listeners that are in or close to the Memphis area. Um, you have two locations, Detroit and Memphis. Um, my information where you can tune in with me on Instagram is life on purpose 20. You can also email me at life on purpose 20 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook under cam McCluster. And I am signing out unless you have anything else here to share with us. I want to say, man, how very proud I am of you and what it is that you're doing. And I've been watching you and keeping an eye on you since I've been on Facebook. You've developed into a beautiful young woman. And I'm so proud uh, of you and what it is that you're doing. I really am. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. I hope that this is not our last conversation. I definitely want to have you on again. And then I want to talk to you about um, some property um, information as it relates to Detroit. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Life on Purpose podcast with Cam.